This is the Town Roots Podcast, episode number 61. Welcome to the Town Roots Podcast, the podcast of, about, and for Oakland. No matter if you live in the town, do business here, or are visiting, we have something for you. And now, your hosts, Anthony Wilson and Vincent Hayes. Today we're talking to Derek Johnson, longtime Oakland entrepreneur. Hey, Derek, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Doing well. Vincent, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Derek, good to meet you. Yes, pleasure's on mine. Vincent, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Ready to go and, and dig into you and your story and your business. Yeah. All right. So excited to have Derek on today because, Derek, you've done a lot. And, and so, you know, unfortunately, we can't squeeze everything into it. We, we might have to have you come on a couple times to talk about all the stuff <laughs> that you have done. Um, but, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, a lot of listeners are aware of you and your businesses, your restaurants. And 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 one thing we're going to focus on today is your Lifeline Culinary On-The-Job Training Program, where you work with recently incarcerated folks and teach them the restaurant business. But but why don't we just kick off with you giving us your, your background and, and highlights of your entrepreneurial career? Well, I knew at a very early age, undergraduate, actually, I was an intern student at IBM. Great company. Uh, but I knew that working in corporate America or working for someone else just wasn't for me. So I set out and started to work for myself, you know, right out of undergraduate school, basically. Um, took a job at a small company, another fist guy. I'm a fist alum. You said I'm an HBCU hat on here. I see. I see. Worked for Gingerbread Limited, which was a small, well, not too small. I mean, she had 36 stores around the country. Uh, children's shoe company, uh, Marguerite Brown. Um, and I took the job after getting plenty of offers from major corporations, because I wanted to see the integrate, um, the integral, how the infrastructure, how a business was set up, how it worked. And I felt by working in a small company, I can learn all that because I wanted to have my own. And that's what I did. <laughs> Left there, uh, started an uh, auto detailing company, literally out of the trunk of my car, <laughs> chasing people down from BART stations. And I grew that to locations, several locations around the Bay Area, um, and that's where I first hired my, my first employees and from that, uh, from the uh, returning citizens population. And it actually wasn't, a, uh, it wasn't by intent, I should say. I actually, we were just real busy one day at work. It was raining and then Bay Area weather. All of a sudden it cleared up. I had sent everyone home thinking that we were going to be slow. And uh, all these cars started to come in. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to turn this money away, but how am I going to do it? And one of the guys there was like, well, I can call the house and have some of my brothers come down. I said, OK, please get him. Now, I'm just thinking he's calling his actual house and his brothers were actually coming to work. But he was living in a halfway house <laughs> um, and being a small person, small business. I didn't do any really background checks or anything back then. So I had no idea. Um, and, yeah, they came in and it started working. And I was like, hey, can you all come back tomorrow? And they were like, really? They were like, yeah. And they were like, yeah, as long as we can get out of here by X number of time. And I was like, well, what's, you know, what's, what's the big deal on time? Everybody was real stressed on what time they were going to get out of there. That was because they had to report back to the, you know, halfway house. And so then once they told me all that, I was like, oh, OK. And they were like, can you still hire us? I said, yeah, I don't. As long as you show up to work and work, I don't care. You know, as long as you ain't stole a car, we're good. <laughs> and, uh. At the time, the director of the house was Kevin Grant. Kevin Grant and I, uh, that was in the early 90s. We have now you know, established you know, decades of friendship. <laughs> um, Kevin is, uh, I would say, the uh, godfather of you know, 
uh, you know, returning citizens and helping them out get back on their feet. So hats go off to him. And he's, he's, he's an iconic here in the city of Oakland. And so uh, that's how I started. And so I've just carried on that tradition with the restaurant, um, you know, sold the detailing company, got into the restaurant business in the early 2000s, been in business for 19 years down in uh, Jack Lennon Square, the home of chicken and waffles, where we, uh, that was still my practices. And then COVID hit, right? And with COVID, I had to reduce my staff down to bare minimum. Um, we no longer have the hours that we have. We still are open seven days a week, thank God. And business is, you know, returning almost to the way it was before pre-COVID. Uh, but still not having the staff in numbers. So at one restaurant, the Oakland restaurant alone, I used to have about 44 to 48 employees. Uh, we only have about 18. And so the frustrating part is all these young brothers will come in because they know, you know, that I'll hire them, right? Or I've hired in the past. And what was frustrating for me was that I wasn't able to hire them because I just didn't have the capacity. So I'd always wanted to do, uh, I had this, this whole thing. I really wanted to do a nonprofit, you know, to help, or, or I've worked with nonprofits. I've never had one myself. So I started a nonprofit in 2021 called the black owned project 365. And it was really just to bring awareness to the younger generation. As I have a lot of young brothers and sisters come into the restaurant, they don't know about, leaders um, in our community. I mean, everyone knows Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, you know, that Rosa Parks, the, the famous ones, but there's so many others, right? So we did more of a uh, awareness campaign in 2021, where it focused on great leaders and people that have paved the way for us in the past and connected them to someone in the future. And what really sparked me doing that was um, standing on the Capitol stairs uh, for the inauguration in 21, um, watching my family member get, uh, you know, sworn in as the first female vice president of the United States. And I was that, I was like, wow, I'm on the Capitol. And, you know, this is, we've been together our whole lives running around the streets of Oakland. And now she's the first vice president of the United States. So uh, that really sparked me to do something. Um, and so that's when I started the nonprofit. We got the status. And then that went into, uh, we created a program. Like I said, okay, well, if I can't hire him, I can do a program. So that's what we did. We did a, uh, created a program called a Lifeline Culinary On-The-Job Training Program, which is a fully certified apprenticeship program with the state of California. Um, we have, it was a pilot program. We started November 8th. <laughs> we had uh, four guys were interested, three actually showed up, and two completed. And they're taking their final this week, today and tomorrow, actually. Uh, and so the whole program is about... Um, these young men and women, women are, you know, we encourage women to, we want to get some women involved as well that are returning home to uh, come and get culinary training at the restaurant on the chicken and waffles uh, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And then three days a week, we place them at one of our partner restaurants and they work. Um, Chop Bar, Jacqueline Square, Town Fair at the Oakland Museum, Chris Pastina and Michelle uh, McQueen, Michelle's family. So, um, but love them. They partnered with me. Um, La Familia, we partnered with La Familia who, you know, sent us the participants and um, we paid them uh, while they were in the program. So, they were, you know, they, they got paid and now they will go into full time employment with each one of those uh, restaurants. So I'm very pleased. It was success. Um, I've never run a, a program before. So, you know, I, I think I have a lot of improvement there. If I'm my own worst critic, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, wait a minute, I'm going to talk about this on a podcast and that. There was a lot of things that um, I want to improve on it, but it was the first one. So, you know, you live and you learn. Um, 
because I thought I could run a program and run a restaurant at the same time. And it was very, very challenging. So, but we got through it. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's what it is. And uh, right now, just trying to raise money to continue the cohort. I mean, we were, I raised enough to do the first pilot. I think I have enough to start this a second one, but not really to complete it. So I'm going to, got to figure out some target dates and see if we can raise a little bit more money to get that going. Um, but I urge anyone listening to go to blackonproject365.org. We have a website, check us out. Um, and one thing I want to encourage, especially to African-Americans, is that um, when we think about donating, we don't really support a donate. Not that you have to support my organization, but support something that you're passionate about. You know, other cultures support their organizations. They support their businesses. And we really keep our dollars within our own community and support our own and stop looking outside of our community for it. And that's really was the basis and the foundation of founding this organization. So, uh yeah, so we, 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 we're looking for support. I'm applying for grants. I'm working with some wonderful people that are hopefully joining our team. We have a small board. And, um, yeah, that's what, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about it. That's great. I mean, working with the sort of recently incarcerated folks is just terrific. I mean, that's really, really needed. I don't think enough people do it. You know, I don't know that the that the governmental agencies probably do a good enough job of that. Um, and so my hat is definitely off to you taking that on as, as your passion project. Um, I wanted to go back to one of the earlier things you said, and you said you sort of hired your, your first recently, um, released individual when it was, it was on accident. But, but I really want to dial into just hiring your first employee because so many entrepreneurs we talk to say that that's kind of a seminal moment for them when they hire the first employee, like it just got real for them. And I kind of wanted to hear from you what it, how did you feel when you hired that first person? Well, you know, I'm a little old, so that was a, that was a long time ago, over 30 <laughs> years. <laughs> but I can say this. For me, I just, you know, it wasn't, I guess I'm not really that sentimental of a person, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It was all about business. Like, I needed mm-hmm. to, I just was like, hey, I got to get to work. I need these cars done. I need to expand this business. So I need a team. Yeah. And it was more like team building for me. So it wasn't like I didn't think of it as I'm giving someone employment. I'm thinking this person's joining my team and together we're going to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, so I kind of had a different outlook. You know, now as I've gotten older and more mature, now I look at, you know, wow, these people are really dependent on this business for their livelihood. So I understand what I was doing. But remember, I was very young. Right? I, I, was, I was 20, 21 when I started. So I don't think it was just more like a team building for me. It was more like I need a team. Right. And I treated them as a team member as opposed to, and maybe that's the difference. You know, I didn't treat them as people that were, you know, less than me or, or, or formerly incarcerated. I just looked like, Oh, okay. They have the skill set. Now this is going. Now that presents a whole nother set of problems. Cause you're like, okay, you don't know how to do this. You don't know how to do what do you, I don't understand. You know, but I treated them as a team member and I wanted them to grow with me. Not really like, you know, I'm giving you a job and I'm your boss. It's like, look, we have this opportunity and let's, let's just make it happen. Mm-hmm. And and what is their reaction? Fast forward to the program today, when these folks come to you and, they, and, and they're getting opportunity from you to a work, B learn a skill, C get some income kind of what, what, what is their reaction? Cause I assume many of them have not worked in the restaurant business before. So this is new, them 
Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people have the skill set from coming from, you know, being incarcerated. They work in kitchens. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that they are very much, most are appreciative. Um, uh, most don't understand how hard I am on them because I'm, 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 I'm not easy at work. Let me just be clear. <laughs> um, but I think afterwards, as time goes on and they start to experience life and getting other jobs and other opportunities, which is what I, you know, kind of pride my, our company on is really to be a gateway, a, a door opening to the employment, you know, to a career, hopefully. Uh, I think they understand and they get it. You know, a lot of people come back and like, I couldn't stand you when I worked for you, but now I get it. <laughs> When, when you bring someone in and have them work for you, like what's, what's typically the amount of time that they stay with you? And do you feel like what you do and what you provide to them helps with recidivism uh, and keeping them out of kind of that, that prison pipeline or population? Um, great question. And yes, I, let me answer the later first. Yes, I feel it does because they have a direct connection with someone that they would never have a direct connection with. Usually when they get into employment, you would not meet the boss. You wouldn't meet the person that's running the restaurant. So they get to see someone that they feel is on such a level, right? That they get to say, okay, well, I'm normal. I work just, this is just what it takes. Got to come to work. You got to come to work every day. Um, and so I, I think they get a real life hands-on experience of seeing what it takes to be successful. That it, it just takes consistency, um, determination, and you just have to be focused, um, which is hard for a lot of that population. You know, a lot of them come to work, they think when they want to, they think being a boss, you come when you want, you, you know, can do whatever you want to do. No, there's parameters. You have to set up policies for your company. And at, at the end of the day, if you're the person setting up the policies, you definitely have to follow them. My general manager that I'm training now, Larry's been with me for 12 years, um, you know, and that's why I started the program because it's really unique that in my business, the restaurant business, my core staff has been with me, some of them the whole 19 years I've been in business. So that doesn't leave a lot of room for me to bring in new people. So that's why this program is so vital and important. And so as you started the nonprofit and, 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 and built out your first cohort, like what, who are the the partners that you had to bring in that would help make this successful for you? Like, did you go out and kind of source like attorneys to help, you know, with any legal issues they may run into as they try to maintain their status as a, as a working individual in the community? Like what, who, who did you have to turn to, to, to try and make sure that everything would work for these people as you kind of gave them opportunities? Well, I mean, for me, I think my case is a little unique because I have a lot of experience working with, Nonprofits. I am the chair of the city of Oakland's workforce development board. So I'm very, and I've been that for like six years. Well, I mean, I've been on the board for six years. I've been the chair for two, two and a half. So I'm, I'm very familiar with nonprofits and how they work. So I just basically went to LegalZoom, formed a nonprofit, um, consulted with other owners and, 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 and founders of nonprofits. So I had really direct access with them to get their input and their advice. Um, uh, and then we just, as far as partnering to do this cohort, um, La Familia was our partner and they were there. They've been great. Um, you know, I haven't been the best with the check-ins. Matter of fact, when I get off this call, I'm going to call them and check in. <laughs> I've been so busy, but, um, I did, I think it's very vital that if you have a new prop, new nonprofit to definitely collaborate 
And I think that's what people don't understand with nonprofits. It's not like for-profit business where you compete with another business in the same industry, but you're in collaboration with other businesses, other nonprofits in the same same area that you're focused on, social issues, help build and grow your nonprofit. So collaboration is the key. So when you when you think about the the experiences that you're giving to uh, the people that come through your program or even just come to work for you in general that that have had a, a previous uh, like issue that landed them in, in some type of correctional facility. What's the thing that you that from from your lens that you feel like uh, is the most beneficial to them? Because like, I, I feel like you're giving them opportunities that may, they may or may not have ever had access to before. And so like, what's the one thing that you think that you provide that, that makes a difference for them and keeps them engaged? I feel the best as simplistic as this sounds that we give them second and third and fourth chances. Like they mess up. We don't fire them. We, I, I might give them a really hard, you know, let's just say but uh i want them to succeed so i i have them come back over and over and over again and if you come back then that shows me that you really it's it's in you you want to be successful you just you just don't know the way so i feel that giving someone when you hire from this population i think that the hardest thing is that they're terminated so fast because they don't have the skill sets to maintain the job now that you said that, do you think that uh, the potential that so when they get terminated, do you feel like it's more about their lack of skill set or do you think it's more about the history that they have that that kind of is the underlying reason that people would terminate someone that has passed like uh, record issues or anything like that? Oh, yeah, well, it's one of the same. They don't have the life experience. They don't have the upbringing. They don't have the, you know, I was taught, even though I was raised in the projects, I still had a lot of, I had a, a strong mother, strong grandparents. I had a support and I was taught right from wrong. And education was very important. Most of these people are at very low education levels. Um, reading, writing, um, literacy is, 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 you know, usually an issue. Um, self-confidence is usually an issue. And so they go to what they know best, which is doing what they do in the streets. You got to come to work on time. Even though weed is legal, you can't come to work smelling like weed. You know, it just changes. It's just, you know, that the common person, most people that, you know, know those of us that have gone on, gotten education, have held jobs, you know what to do, what not to do. The soft skills is really, really an issue. Hey, Derek, what's the biggest misconception with this population? That they're lazy and don't want to work and they're criminals. They're, they, I feel, especially for young black men, uh, appearance, lack of education is a barrier for them to get jobs. The, 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 the lack of employment opportunities in our community, the lack of people that look like us hiring us. Um, you know, people I found, and I had to get that wake up call when, when I first started hiring, I was kind of like, Oh, so you all are just trying to survive. It's not like you just want to go out here and sell dope or steal or rob people. You're trying to really survive. I know you started the first cohort, right? And, and now yes. you're, you're working on starting the second one. But as you look back on completing this first cohort, what's the best compliment that one of the participants has given to you? Thanking me for the opportunity. Like, and, and I, I think it's, you know, for me, it's just so much more. Like, I don't feel I did 
the best job that I could have on this first one. Like I'm the, my own worst critic. Um, but just the other day, last week, you know, one of the guys was really tired, Saul. And I was like, hey, you okay? And he's like, you know, yeah. And then I found out he's been sleeping in his car. He was homeless. He finally got in the shelter. And like, you just don't know the weight that people carry with them. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm giving him a hard time about, you know, speed and, you know, you got to move fast and then you're sleeping in your car. I mean, you know what I mean? You just, you just don't know. And a lot of times those people won't talk to you until like someone else had to tell me that. And then finally I sat down and talked to him. I said, you know, let me see what I can do to help you with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this, touch on something you, you, um, you raised earlier. You said that you are working on raising money and you're writing grants. And, and, and so if, and, and I don't know what the dollar number is, right? But let's say if someone gave you all the money that you're seeking today, what would be the first thing you would do? Hire an executive director. <laughs> I'd, give, I'd hire somebody to give someone an opportunity to come in and hire a team so that we can really make this grow. That would be the first thing I would do. Yes, because I, I, I don't know if I fit the bill as an executive director. <laughs> What's it like having a chicken and waffle restaurant, especially in Jack London Square? Like, What's that experience been like for you? Oh, I mean, it's been good. I mean, I kind of landed in the restaurant business by default it was an investment that i had to take over before it opened and so 19 years later here i am um it's been a great experience i have been um very fortunate uh to have a business for 19 years um yeah it's been a very very good experience i've employed a lot of people i've met a lot of people in the community and i think for me what resonates or what my accomplishment with the restaurant is not necessarily whether it's, you know, provided me a certain lifestyle or money or financial gain. It's more what it means to the community. You know, so many people come in there and said they met there late night um, or they've had their anniversary there or their birthday there or what it means to them. This is the only place that their parents could take them as a kid because they couldn't afford anything else. So what it means to me is what it has what it means to the community is that it's a, it's, it's, it's a place that's been established as, you know, like a go-to place in Oakland. Uh, people from all over the country, when they come to Oakland, come to the location, come to the restaurant. So it's much bigger than me. I mean, it's just, it has a certain feel in there that I think people just feel like they're at home and they feel comfortable. It's other cultures and ethnic groups can come and experience our people and our food and, you know, and just us in a very comfortable environment. Do you feel like a trailblazer at all? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I feel there's like TJ Robinson with the gingerbread house. There's Dorothy with Everett and Jones. I mean, there's so many people that have, that I've admired that I've just feel like I'm carrying on Jeffrey Pete. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Gene Hazard, there's there's so many other people, I think, that have paved the way for me that I looked up to, that I was from being a kid, that I'm just carrying out what I saw growing up. True. And those are all, you know, great names. Certainly those people are are iconic here in Oakland. Um, But you've been around for a long time. Yeah, that's true. That's right. I still think I'm 20, so we're not going to keep saying that. We all think think we're 20 in our head, right? But but seriously, I mean, you've been around for a long time, so I would suspect there are a lot of restaurateurs out here who look at you the way you look at those people that you just named. Yeah, yeah, I get that a lot, and it's uh, it's very flattering. I feel very, uh, I 
I feel very good about it. But it's it's uh yeah, I just I you know, like I said, I I I don't know, I just don't, I just think that I'm doing it's just helping people. And I don't I don't I don't I just feel it's like you know, at this point in time in my life, I mean what else is there to do? I mean you can only go on so many trips, buy so many shoes, have so many cars, and I've been there and done all that. So now right. it's like you know, I really want to see these you know, for me, you know, our community is really suffering. Um, and I just feel, you know, we, we need to figure out how do we unify and bring it back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, over my lifetime who've been in the restaurant business, and most of them say it's tough business to be in. But what is the best thing you would say about being in the restaurant business? Well, for me, I'm, a, I'm very hyper and it's a lot of moving parts and, mm-hmm. and I'm very operational. So I think that's the best thing for me is that you get to see a production and you get to see what's in your head come to life. And so that, that, that really stimulates me. I need, I mean, I probably could be better with customer service. That's what I have a team for, for that. I'm not, I'm a little too blunt, <laughs> but I, I really like the operation production side of it. Mm-hmm. And who's the most famous person's ever come into the house home of chicken and waffles? Well, probably have to be my cousin Kamala right now. I mean, we okay. have a lot of people. I mean, I've had, uh, Natalie Cole, I've had uh, Pete Diddy, I've had all the the Raiders, the War Steph Curry, Draymond Green, all the Warriors. Yeah, um, we've had all, all the you know Chaka Khan, Shante Moore, Too Short, Tony Tony. I mean, all, you know, just about most entertainers and sports figures they when they come to open, they come through our location. It's funny, you know, because I you see on the news when you know the presidential campaigns come around. And you see in these other towns, right? There's like these certain places that people always stop, right? And and we gotta we gotta get the home of chicken and waffles on on that on that stop. Oh yeah, well Hillary Clinton's come in when she was running. She did her okay. press conference at my location. Oh okay, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. So look it up. I was sitting right next to her. Um, she was a sweetheart too. Yeah, so I've had a lot of I've had tons of famous people come in. Okay, okay. No, it's certainly it's it's an iconic place in Oakland. Yes, and we, we plan on being around for, for more years to come. So it's interesting you just said that. So what do you think the, the key to your longevity has been? Consistency. Uh, I think restaurants and businesses, when trends come, they try to jump on the new trend because, you know, everybody's into chicken and waffles and doing oregano chicken or some kind of waffle and all these kind of sauces and this, this, and that. We just keep it simple. It's fried chicken, it's waffles, it's maple syrup. And we put our own stuff in it. But basically, it's just consistency. You know, we're not trying to be white tablecloth. We're very much focused on kids and family. Um, although we do have a full service bar for adults. But, you know, we're just it's consistent. We do what we do. I don't change it. I don't change. Our menu has not changed in 19 years. Um, you know, people come in and sometimes they'll say, you should do catfish. You should do this. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not what we do. Yeah. So, um stay consistent with what we do and try to be the best at it. Yeah, I think that's so smart. I think the best businesses are those that do one thing really well to a certain segment of the of the consumer population, right? right. They, like these new chicken sandwiches everybody's coming out with, with yeah. coleslaw, and they're, and they're good. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of great, you know, the new place, Cowbird, the great place, brother doing this thing. I'm very proud of him. Um, but, you know, we... We're chicken and waffles. So if you want a chicken sandwich, then go there. I mean, yeah. you know, just yeah. it's what it is. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a reason why In and Out runs no commercials, but has a line around the around the block. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And so you just mentioned 
you know, a, a new restaurant here in Oakland. Are there any other sort of up and coming uh, restaurant tours or establishments that we should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, um, Horn Barbecue and Cowbird Tribune Tower over here, Chef Michael, um, Chef Michelle over at Town Fair, uh, Chop Bar is African American owned. Um, I mean, there's so many great places, but yes, and I believe in supporting them all and giving them all a shout out. I mean, there's, you know, no one is going to go to the same restaurant every day, right? And so that's why you have different restaurants, different types of cuisine, different types of atmospheres, because you have a, you're in a different mood. Even me, you know, sometimes you know you have a different mood for different things. But you know, I believe in really supporting and uh, my fellow restaurateurs because it is a very tough, hard business to work in um, and to run. And yeah, we got some 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 new ones doing some good things. That's outstanding. Well, thanks for sharing that. So, Derek, so appreciate your time. How can people find you? Oh, you can find us at homeofchickenandwaffles.com. Um, that's our website. And for our nonprofit, blackonproject365.org. And we're on social media. Now, I'm not the social media, but I have a, a, a younger team that handles that. But we're on IG and, and all that stuff, too. Hey, Derek, thanks so much. All right. Appreciate you all. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Town Roots Podcast. For more information about the show, to leave comments and connect with the hosts, head over to www.townroots.com.